Welcome to AudioPie's English Literature and Language Show. You can dip into huge chunks of over 19 series for free and learn on the go. Happy listening, everyone. I have for the first time found what I can truly love. I have found you. You are my sympathy, my better self, my good angel. I am bound to you with a strong attachment. I think you good, gifted, lovely. A fervent, a solemn passion is conceived in my heart. It leans to you, draws you to my centre and spring of life. Wrap my existence about you, and kindling in pure, powerful flame fuses you and me in one. Edward Fairfax Rochester is the romantic hero of Jane Eyre, and the catalyst for some of Jane's changes throughout her building's romance. In this podcast, we will discover more about this attractive bad boy and his portrayal of a Byronic hero. The concept of the Byronic hero is an important element of the literary context of the novel, as well as Bronte's choices of characterization. Lord Byron was an early 19th-century poet in the Romantic school of poetry, which explored thought, sensation, and intense emotions, often at the expense of rational thought. Byron was arguably one of the first celebrities, written about in newspapers, scandalous in his behaviour, and often trying to shock society with his actions. He was called mad, bad, and dangerous to know. The Byronic hero has become a character archetype, and both Emily and Charlotte Bronte use it in their writing. The Byronic hero is arrogant, rude, antisocial, the classic bad boy. Rochester is a typical example, particularly in his behaviour before the novel. Young, influenced by his father and brother, and the fact he wouldn't inherit anything, so needed a wife with money. He married Bertha Mason. When they died and he unexpectedly inherited everything, he was already married to Bertha, whose family had an unrevealed history of insanity. Rochester makes some other allegations too, which we'll explore in the next podcast. Rochester's decision is shocking. He locks Bertha in the attic with a nursemaid and takes off to travel around Europe, racking up a fair few mistresses on the way, including Celine Varens, a French actress. The association with the French is enough to make him seem dubious, as the 19th-century France was synonymous with sexuality, licentiousness, and corruption. And as an actress, Celine is everything a Victorian woman shouldn't be: performative, showing off herself, and drawing attention. When she dies, Rochester takes her daughter Adele. Although Rochester claims she's not his and she doesn't look much like him, there's no way he could know for sure. And Adele needs a governess, which is where Jane comes in. Even before the secret of Bertha's existence is revealed, Bronte associates their relationship with secrecy. At their first meeting, Rochester keeps his identity secret. Jane describes him as having a dark face with stern features and a heavy brow, his eyes and gathered eyebrows that look ireful and thwarted just now. He was past youth. But had not reached middle age. Perhaps he might be thirty-five. Not exactly the traditional handsome hero, dark, rugged, and angry, and older than Jane, thirty-five compared with her eighteen. The theme of secrecy continues. Rochester dresses as a fortune-telling gypsy. For his guests, this is a bit of fun. But for Rochester, it seems an attempt to manipulate Jane into talking about him, to reveal her true opinion of him. 
Rochester is often portrayed as either manipulative or insecure. His proposal is similarly equivocal. He begins by telling Jane he's going to be married, and she naturally assumes he's engaged to Blanche Ingram, the beautiful yet cold heiress who's equal to him in status, but rather unkind. Jane's refusal to stay and watch the happy couple tells him all he needs to know, that she loves him, and he proposes to her. Rochester seems to want confirmation of Jane's feelings and desires before admitting to any of his own. It's also manipulative, though, and Rochester does have a habit of assuming he can have whatever he wants. Partly, this is contextual. His wealthy status means he's never lacked anything, and he feels like the world owes him because of the mess with Bertha. He's often hinting to Jane that he's been wronged by others. Yet his lack of regard for others is also shown in his treatment of people. He buys gifts for Adele in the place of real affection. When Jane needs to visit Mrs. Reed, he overpays her significantly, a rather underhanded way of ensuring Jane comes back to him. After their engagement, a significant moment occurs when he takes her dress shopping. Bronte juxtaposes Jane's choice, simple cotton gingham, with Rochester's desire for silk, symbolising their different statuses and outlooks. Jane complains he's dressing her as a doll or harem girl, both symbolising possession and Rochester's objectification of women. Even though he accepts her choice, he doesn't truly understand it. After the failed wedding, he suggests they run away to Europe and just live as man and wife. In other words, have an affair. We need to go back to this context a little more at this point. The mid-Victorian era is very religious day to day, and suggesting that Jane live as a mistress isn't just devaluing her, it's placing her soul in jeopardy as sinful. Far worse, however, is the fact that he was planning on marrying Jane while he was still married. Bigamy, marrying two people at once, is still a crime in the UK today, and Rochester risks imprisonment if anybody found out. It also implies he's not religious, because he doesn't appear to consider the consequences for his own immortal soul for committing this sin. By the end of the novel, Bronte does something quite unusual and interesting with Rochester's character. There's a tradition in Victorian literature, especially romance, that women who have behaved immorally in some way, had an affair for example, or not treated their family as they should, suffer a serious illness, usually a fever. Their immortality is metaphorically burned out of them, almost like a christening cleansing them, and they get their reward at the end, usually marriage. Sound familiar? The same thing happens with Rochester. When Thornfield burns down, he goes into the fire, a proper hero, and manages to save the servants. But he can't save Bertha. He's also further physically punished as he's blinded by the fire and maimed, losing one of his hands. But this teaches him humility and, maybe more importantly from a Victorian perspective, teaches him to find God. When Jane comes back, he tells her, I began to see and acknowledge the hand of God in my doom, and realises he was not only endangering himself, but Jane as well. In Jane's final description of their marriage, she tells the reader that he's beginning to regain a little bit of his sight. There's a long literary tradition of exchanging physical sight for metaphorical sight, or understanding, and when Bronte allows him to regain his physical sight, it's like a reward for his change of character. In the next podcast, we will take a look at Rochester's wife's character, Bertha. Until then, goodbye.
We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to search for and listen to the next episode in the series to build your topic knowledge. Hit the Acast Plus link in the show description to become a premium supporter and unlock access to every episode in every series for as long as you need. We also make GCSE and A-level content for history, RE, sociology and psychology. Happy listening, everyone.